Wonderful, wonderful. <clears throat> you know, sometimes you listen to somebody sing and, and uh, you think, good night in the morning. Can you imagine what heavenly music is going to sound like? Maybe, uh, maybe I'll have a set of lungs. Now, I don't want to sound exactly like that, but maybe I'll have lungs like that when I get to heaven. <laughs> Amen? And uh, thank you, Miss Karen. That's a blessing. I always enjoy hearing Miss Karen sing. Take your Bibles, please, tonight and turn to the Gospel of Matthew and chapter number 9. The Gospel of Matthew and chapter number 9. I think probably that this story will be familiar to uh, a lot of folks tonight, it's a great story. I like this story. And Jesus told it here and uh, recorded it for us here in, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew. Actually, in uh, three different times, the story is mentioned also in Mark chapter number 2 and also in Luke chapter number 5. And so we'll read this portion here in Matthew 9. Let's please stand together out of respect for the Word of God and... Uh, Matthew chapter number 9. And we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 8. Verses 1 through 8. And I'm going to ask you just to read aloud with me in unison, if you would please. Together, Matthew 9, 1 through 8. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, Lying on a bed, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take thy bed, and go unto thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men." Without turning to it, I add just uh, one or two things. Um, the Bible says in Mark's account in chapter 2 of Mark that they could not come nigh unto him. They couldn't get near to Jesus uh, for the press. That wasn't the news media. That was, uh, I thought that was funny. Uh, be sure to laugh when, when you think I think it's funny, okay? All right, but, uh, but the, the people pressed upon him. There was a great crowd. And so the Bible says they uncovered the roof. They literally uncovered the roof and, uh, and, and lowered him down, of course, and uh, he uh, was healed. I want to speak to you uh, about uh, this subject tonight, uh, better Together, better together, better together. Amen? Sometimes people say, well, you don't have to go to church to get to heaven. Uh, no, you don't. Uh, but uh, if, you, if you want to, uh, you don't have to do anything to get heaven to be born again. Amen? Let me make that clear. Uh, 
But if you want to enjoy your Christian life, then God meant the Christian life to be lived together with God's people. Amen? Amen. You say, well, I can worship God as much on my own on a boat on the lake. The problem with that is that you don't. You fish on the lake. Uh, yes, you can. Of course you can. And you ought to. And you ought to worship God while you're fishing. Uh, I, uh, some of you men love the woods and, and love to get alone in the woods. And you can commune with God and see some beautiful things. I recognize that. Absolutely. But God meant for His people to live the Christian life together. I don't all mean move into the same house. I'm, but God meant us to live the Christian life together. He meant for our friendships to be among God's people. He meant for you mamas to help each other as you rear your children and talk to some of the older ladies in the church and get some help with rearing those, I mean, wonderful children, those wonderful children you have. And uh, he meant for the married couples to talk to some of the folks that had been married a long time and get some advice and, and, and learn from one another and serve together. And can I tell you something? Listen, the Christian life is always better together. It's better together. Let's pray. Father, bless now this simple message to our hearts. I need your help. I need your power. Lord, please. And give me uh, your Holy Spirit. Give me the words to say. And through your Holy Spirit, uh, may they communicate thy truth to thy people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Uh, my, my wife uh, grew up, of course, uh, in uh, about an hour outside of Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, <clears throat> they were in a Methodist church, and she, uh, I'm sorry, I try not to say bad words in the pulpit, but uh, she was in a Methodist church. And uh, <laughs> anyway, but she's in a Methodist church, and a uh, a Baptist evangelist came to preach a, a revival at the Methodist church and she and her dad got saved on the same night. And it's a beautiful story. And then they were baptized. Uh, they uh, had to go, where'd you get baptized? And the evangelist met them or the pastor met them at the Baptist church and they got baptized. And then, and then um, uh, somewhere along the line, uh, uh, Carol and Sonny came across a, uh, Sword of the Lord. Is that right? A Sword of the Lord newspaper. Dr. John Rice, we'll learn more about him, uh, started that paper. And they began to read. They began to read the sermons of fundamental preachers, preachers who still believed the Bible and, and had not compromised their faith. And, and so they, they said, man, we, we need more. And so they went to a, a, a denominational church, a Southern Baptist church, and they kept reading the Sword of the Lord and pretty soon they wound up in an independent Baptist church. And, and so that was uh, my wife's growing up years. And they kept growing in the faith and so forth. And she uh, graduated from Mead County High School. Went to a public school all of her life. And, uh, uh, and uh, uh, she uh, had a good testimony there. Won souls to Christ as a young lady in the public school. But... Uh, my, my was born in 1970, and so my dad, of course, the year that I was born, started Tabernacle Christian School in Hickory, and it's still going today under uh, uh, Brother Scott Hook's leadership and doing 
great and the ministry strong. And so uh, the 21 years that my parents served at Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, I was born the year that now dad was saved in that church as a boy and his mother was a charter member of the church and he went off to school and then he went to pastor for three years in New Hampshire and then came back to serve at Tabernacle. So the year I was born, we were back in Hickory. He was back in Hickory and all of my life growing up was in Hickory. I didn't, now my sister here, she lived some of those years in Tennessee. That's why she twitches sometimes. And, uh, but anyway, uh, but uh, you know how sisters are. But anyway, but, but my, all of my years were in one place and all of my years, uh, the same church, same school and so forth like that. And I, I thank God for that. I believe that was part of my preparation to give my life here. I really do believe that. And, um, and, so, um, and so I had been to a Christian school my whole life. My earliest memory is standing in line as a three-year-old in three-year uh, pre-kindergarten and, um, and standing in, that's my earliest memory uh, and, uh, at, at age three. Now, before that, I was in a Christian school because my dad was the principal of the school and my mom taught a combined first and second grade that first year of the school. I was born in the summer, July, in the 14th, if you don't have that down, you want to write down. But I was born in July, and school started in the fall, and she taught a combined first and second grade class. So I grew up in a bassinet outside the hallway door of the first and second grade. I literally grew up in school. That's why I'm so smart. <laughs> Sorry. I am going somewhere with this story. I just can't remember where. Uh, but uh, so, so I, I, anyway, I literally was, grew up in a Christian school all of my life. And, and that's, uh, I loved it. I, I, I'm so thankful for it. And I, I wanted to, if God would let us, it was part of the vision for our ministry. And now, I think in our 14th or 15th year, 14th year, I believe, just agree with me and they won't know any different. No, uh, I think it's the 14th year. If it's not, it's a different year. Uh, but uh, uh, now then all these years, and the Lord's led us uh, try to train servants for the Lord and educate children. But we, we wound up at the same Bible college. And, uh, and here's what I want to get to. I grew up in a Christian school all my life. She grew up in public school. And I've heard her say many times, when she got to the campus, when she got to the campus of Hiles Anderson College, the Bible college, at that time, the, the college was in its, I think there was 1,800 students, and I might not be exactly right, but in that neighborhood, and the, and the college was, I think, as strong, perhaps, as it had, had been. And, uh, and it was, I mean, chapel was packed from the front to back. I mean, the singing every day, the preaching, it would just lift the rafters. It was heaven on earth. And she came into that Bible college, and, and she said, I never imagined being in a place with so many people who want to serve God like I want to serve God and love the things of God like I love the things of God and want to hear preaching like I want to hear preaching 
and, and want to act like a Christian and try to live like a Christian, like I want to act like and live like a Christian. And, 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 and uh, she, she took a stand in her public high school. She, was, uh, 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 she, she took a stand. And, and as many, many of you, probably more folks in this room that graduated public high school than graduated any other way. And, uh, 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 and, and you know, as if you had a testimony, you know it wasn't easy to keep that testimony. And you know there were times where folks uh, maybe mocked you or made fun of you or, or, uh, or, or tested your faith and, and your, your sincerity. And she went through those things. And, and to come uh, to a place... And, and, and being a, in, a, in a Christian institution, an old-fashioned fundamental Baptist institution, uh, it was just a, it was like, wow, this is amazing. And, and, and can I tell you something? You know, the word church means, literally, here's what it means. It means <clears throat> called out to assemble. Called out to assemble. That's what the word means. And when we're saved, we're called out of the world Unto the Lord. Amen? Amen. And so we out of, that's coming out of the world, and the assemble is getting together with God's people. Amen? Now, I believe in the family of God. If you're saved and on your way to heaven, you have the same heavenly Father that I have. But church, by definition, isn't church unless you assemble. By definition of the word, it's an assembly. Can I tell you something, my dear friend? Listen, I, I, I'm thankful that I live in a place where there is a local assembly. That's not true in parts of the world, as we know. You go, uh, you go to parts of New England, even in the country, out in the Midwest, and you can go miles and miles and miles and not see a church. We're so blessed, amen? We're blessed. And, and, and God, it was God's intention for churches to be built and to be started and and you, you read the New Testament, it talks about the church at Sincrea, the church at Galatia, the church at Thessalonica, the church at Jerusalem, the church in the house of so-and-so. And, and it was a local group of believers. And can I tell you something? God didn't mean for you and I to try to live the Christian life as a, a, a loner, as a hermit. That wasn't God's plan. It's better together. It's better together. Amen. It's better together. I remember a lady, we were in the old auditorium. And she had come from a Methodist church too. <laughs> and she came for a while. And I remember one day, you, I'm sure my wife is my memory bank. She could probably tell you the name of the lady just like that. But she came to us. She said, I, she said, let me tell you what I love about this church. She said, I have never been in a church where when someone says, let's sing, everybody actually sings. I've never been in that. I'm used to someone getting up and saying, let's sing. And they sing and the piano plays and a few people sing. But when I come here, we all sing. Hey, that's the idea. Amen. The Bible's full of examples of praise him. In the congregation. Amen. You, you see, uh, when, when, we, when we live together, when we're together, it's better together. Better together. Because as God's people, we receive mutual encouragement. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I, don't turn to it. But Paul had to write to the church at Corinth. 
The church at Corinth was a divided church. The church at Paul, he called them carnal, which means fleshly. He called them babies. I mean, it was not a nice letter. It was a hard letter, 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is much nicer, all right? But 1 Corinthians, it was a hard letter. And uh, he called them babies. He called them carnal or fleshly. And he rebuked them because they were divided. And uh, you can read it in 1 Corinthians. And some of them said, well, we, we love Paul. And some of them said, we love Paulus. And some of them said, we love Jesus. And, uh, and so you had the, the, the Apollos group. And you had the Paul group. And then you had the real spiritual ones, the Jesus group. And Paul said, shame on all of you. Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? It's all right for you to have a favorite preacher, but that ought not cause division between God's people. And Paul rebuked them for that. He rebuked them for immorality in the church, several things. One of the things he rebuked them for was the misuse of the gift of tongues. The, the, the church at Corinth, like many people today, do not understand biblical tongues. And I won't go back and teach it, but if you read carefully Acts chapter number 2, you will find, and, and 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you will find that God gave the gift of tongues for the sake of unbelievers, not for believers, but for unbelievers. 1 Corinthians 14 is clear about that. God gave them the uh, miraculous ability to speak in a language that they had not learned. And so we had, uh, we had African-speaking people here this morning. We had a German-speaking lady here this morning, praise the Lord. And we did, delivered a German-English Bible to her on yesterday. She was in the service today. And the Chutas are responsible for that. And I thank the Lord for that. Uh, but, 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 but if I got the gift of tongues, then I would be able to say, if anybody knows German, don't check me on that anyway. But, um, but, but that would be the ability for me to communicate to this French-speaking African young man that was here this morning. Como allez-vous? What does that mean? I don't have a clue. Uh, uh, or to speak in German. And that was the gift of tongues. So in that, he is rebuking them. In 1 Corinthians 14, he says, listen... If an unsaved person comes into a congregation and people start speaking in an unknown tongue, the scripture says he's going to look at them and say, these people are crazy. Now the Bible word is mad, M-A-D, doesn't mean this kind of mad, it means like crazy mad. These people are a bunch of nuts. That's in the Greek. And um, then he says this. He said, but if one come in and he looks at this congregation and he hears them say, amen, and he sees that they're together, the, here's the phrase, he will be convinced of all. Do you know why you ought not walk in and out of the service? Do you know why you ought to stay awake in the service? Do you know why you ought to say amen in the service? Do you, amen. Do you know why you ought to participate in the service? 
Because there might be someone near you who is not saved, who does not know the Lord. And if you're sitting in the service disinterested and you're sitting in the service staring off this way when the preaching's going on that way or you're sitting in the service cutting up with the person next to you or texting your buddy who's not there today or not paying attention that whoever the lost person is that you don't know who's lost and I don't know who's lost either but the person that's sitting there sees these folks this one's over here is talking this and getting up three or four times they have the little bitty bladder syndrome they don't know how to go to the bathroom before church starts they have to go in the middle of the service every single week that's a little suspect anyway uh, uh, they get up and out they don't, they're not considerate of others and, and the guys, he don't know what's this. These people aren't paying attention to what he's saying. But if everybody's glued in and everybody's on the edge of their seat and everybody's amen, pastor, then that guy's looking around saying, good night, this whole crowd believes what that man's saying. He's convinced of all, amen? amen. Let me tell you something. Friends, listen. The spirit of a service is not determined merely or simply by the pulpit. You hear me week after week, Sunday after Sunday, and I pray for the Holy Spirit to speak to me and through me. I also pray for His Spirit to be upon you as a hearer. Can I tell you something? The, uh, uh, an awareness of God's presence among us, His Spirit working actively in this service has as much to do with Calvin Robinson as it does Pastor John Shook. Now, I'm more important than him, of course. But uh, now, the message is important. I'm not minimizing that. But I'm saying his spirit affects the service. And your spirit affects the service. God's spirit lives inside of you. That's why you ought to wake up and sit next to somebody you won't be tempted to yak with all service. And get where you can see and get where you can hear and get where you can pay attention. Amen. Why? Because somebody around you needs you. Say, I don't need that, but somebody needs it. Somebody needs it. And we ought to be together. Amen. Our hearts ought to be together. Our voices ought to be together. Amen. Better together. Now look at the text, if you would. The Bible says in verse number 2, and behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Later he would say in verse 6, at the end of verse 6, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. Now, if you read uh, the same story, Luke gives a few more details. Mark gives a few more details. But the Bible tells us there were four men. They were trying to get to Jesus. And notice what the scripture said. It said, their faith in Matthew 9, 2. Their faith in Mark 2, 5. Their faith in Luke 5 and verse 20. What's, what I'd like to say to the church tonight is this. Hey, hey, let's believe God together. Amen. Let's believe God together. God was so good so many years ago when a group of people, about 35 people, I guess, 30, 35 people on that Sunday night who came together at 25 years old, barely 25 years old, and, uh, 
And they, they met together on a Sunday night uh, 28 uh, plus years ago. And they, they met together. And those 30 people, 35 people came together and said, we believe that it is God's will. And, and, and no one, there was no, uh, there was no, uh, no, I don't believe that. I don't think that. They were all together and they were all in one accord. And by that, 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 they, t -t together, that congregation, and a few are still here, even now in the church from that so many years ago. Most, most of them are, uh, many of them are with the Lord already and so forth. But, but, but that, that group came together and, and, and their faith, God honored their faith. God honored their faith. And may I say that just one event after another after another, God has so graciously honored and helped us uh, as we saw God leading. I remember we bought a van. We needed a van. Our vans were not roadworthy back in the day. And we got a new van. And in and, 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 and just a matter of weeks, uh, a, a, a month or so, that, little group, that group of people uh, came together and believed God together. And that van was paid for. Uh, we needed to remodel that auditorium. And we needed $42,000. And we said, let's, do, let's ask God to give us 42. Now, this is back when the budget was about uh, $1,000 a week. I mean, that's almost a year's budget. You understand? And those folks came together and said, we're going to believe God for that. And in 42 days, we had about 60-some thousand, not 42,000. Amen? And what was it? It was people, people believing God together, people trusting God together, people putting their faith in a big God together. May I say this, my dear friend, my Bible tells me that when your faith is weak, you have a choice. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 and verse number 7, Hebrews 13, 7, remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. Listen to it. Whose faith follow? Whose faith follow? I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't understand it at the time. And it humbles me more and more as time goes by. But sitting over there was Brother Herman Allred. Herman Allred, old enough to be my father, perhaps my granddad. There was Newton Wicker, old enough to be my granddad. Every man in that church was older than me. And here I am, uh, 25 years old. I had just stopped sucking my thumb the week before. And you know what they did? They said, okay, Pastor. We're going to believe God with you. Amen? Amen? We're going to believe God with you. Bailey's going back. Listen, I'm nothing, you're nothing, but he's something special. Amen? He's something special. And we ought to believe his promises and believe his word. And tonight, may I say, dear friend, if your faith is weak, then, 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 then you, you follow the faith of another. Someone says, I don't know about this. I don't know. I don't know. Well, there's some folks who do know and, 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 and say, by God's grace, I'll follow the faith of those whose faith. If I don't have it, I'll follow the faith of someone else. Let's believe God together. Notice in Matthew 9 and verse number 2, the Bible said, And behold, they brought to him a man sick. A man sick. Hey, let's care for the hurting together. What brought these men to Jesus? A hurting friend. A hurting friend. Uh, I, I thought about so many folks, and Miss Rojas is over here. And um, Miss Shirley Collins is with the Lord. And 
when Miss uh, Miss Rojas and her sister, they came down here from Detroit area with their mom. And I think maybe the first week or very soon after they came, Miss Shirley Collins knocked on their door and uh, told them about Christ. And they got on the Sunday school bus, amen, came to church, and God transformed their lives, amen. And uh, they, they had some difficult, difficult struggles. They had some hurtful times. There was a season in their life where uh, they actually lived with one of the families in the church just because of the difficulty of their situation at home. But God has blessed and honored her testimony. And now her and Miguel have a beautiful little girl, and thank God she looks like her mama and not her daddy. And little Charlotte gets to grow up in a, in a home. Mom and dad love each other and love God. And she'll never know, never ever know the pain that her mother felt as a little girl. Miss Shirley Collins got sick with cancer. The choir went to her house over on Scheme View Road. She was in a sick bed with cancer. We sang to her in her final days. While she was taking chemotherapy for that, that uh, cancer, she would get in that old Toyota Camry. Had 892,000 miles on it, I think. And she'd go to the, up to Randleman, and she'd visit her bus route, Honeycutt, Sibbet, Main Street, Naomi, um, little park there off of Naomi, and lots of little places like that. And she'd be so sick from the chemotherapy, she wanted to visit her bus route. She loved those those children, she loved those families, and she would be sick from the chemotherapy treatment. And she'd sometimes she'd get sick on her stomach from the chemo. And she'd have to stop visiting, and she might have to find a place where she could vomit because of the treatments. And she'd get in her car, and she'd put the seat back, and she'd lay her head back, and she'd rest a while. And then she'd get enough strength to make a few more visits. You know what you call that? You call that, that somebody who cares for the hurting. Someone who cares for the hurting. I, I, I remember when Brother Spencer called me one morning. He said, Preacher, we just had some children get on the bus, but they don't have any shoes. I said, don't you worry about that. You get them on that bus. By the time they got to church, those little munchkins were wearing Air Jordans. Amen. Man, folks brought shoes for them. Two of the finest people I've ever known in my life and I will ever know in my life is Jeff and Dana Jarrett. Who scooped up a house full of boys and made something out of them. Amen. Two precious girls, one in heaven already. 
I don't know about you. I want to be a part of a church like that. I want to be a part of a church where Rocky. I mean no disrespect. Gives his prayer request. I want to be a part of a church where Rocky is as important as anybody else in this church. I want to be a part of a church that cares for the sick and cares for the hurting. And let me tell you something. I got news for you. You can be unselfish as a hermit, I guess. You can come out of your hole and go give somebody something. But I got news for you, man. The local church gives you so many opportunities to serve others. To love people. It's better together. Amen. It's better together. Then, I want you to notice. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 2 verse 3. You're not turned there, but in Mark chapter 2 verse number 3. The Bible says that he was born, B-O-R-N-E, carried, if you will, of four Hey, let's believe God together. Let's care for the hurting together. Number three, let's work together. Amen. Let's work together. Now, I'm sure you have probably heard these statistics before. But it is often said that the average church in an average local church, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. How many of you ever heard something similar to that? All right. That's not an uncommon uh, thought. But I, I don't think that's true here. I really don't. I don't know what the percentages are. I know I'm praying for 24 more servants this year. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm sure it's much more than that. And can I tell you something, my dear friend? When a group of people come together, not just to be a spectator, not to just come and 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 and, uh, and see you know what this church is about and, and no but but people will come and, and say you know give, give me give me something to do give me something to do pastor give me something to do amen I, I want to be a part I, I want to serve I want to help carry the load the Bible said he was born of four born of four can I tell you something can you imagine can you imagine if uh, if the fourth guy they had a sheep. And one man on each corner. And the sick man in the sheet. They couldn't, they couldn't get in. They had to lower him down through the roof. Can you imagine if the guy holding this corner didn't show up that day? They couldn't have got him down to Jesus. And may I say, dear friend, listen. Whatever you and I do in this world uh, uh, that counts for eternity will be seen over on the other side of glory. Amen. And that's what's important in life. Hey, I like to say to Bailey's Grove Baptist Church, everybody grab a corner. Amen. Everybody grab a corner. I, I, I want us to believe God and, 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 and together. And I want us to care for the hurting together. And I want us to work together. I'm talking about everyone serving, everyone grabbing a corner. Let me tell you something. In the right kind of church, there's no big shots. There's no big shots. There's nobody uh, any more important than anyone else. 
And that's what, that ought to be the spirit of a church. Amen. Every, we're just servants. And the servant, the Bible said, is the greatest of all. I love that story of George Washington who would become our first president. And General George Washington in our fight for freedom against, uh, against uh, uh, the British crown. Uh, there, Valley Forge, 1777, the winter of 1777 and 1778. And, uh, and the, this uh, about 11,000 men, ragtag army, not, not, didn't have decent shoes and, and, didn't, and, and didn't have food uh, enough and, and shelter. And he's trying to train them and trying to get them ready uh, for battle season the next spring. And there's a story. They, they built uh, little makeshift cabins to protect themselves from the brutal, uh, from the brutal winter and the, the heavy snow, and uh, there's a story that uh, there was a, 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 an officer, and he had a group of his men, and they're making one of these makeshift cabins. They had cut the timber, and they're trying to hoist it up uh, uh, to the uh, top uh, place there, hoist this big tree up, and the man is there. Shout, come on, guys, push, 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 and presently. Uh, Another gentleman came by, a man on a horse came by and he saw this scene and he jumped off of his horse and ran to the end of that log and helped those men to get it up the last little bit and set it in place. The commanding officer who had been given the charge to these men once the log was in place turned to the stranger and said, "Uh, whom do I have the privilege of thanking for your help? And General George Washington turned around and said, your commanding general, sir. And that man felt about that big right there. Can I tell you something? There's nobody big enough just to shoot off orders to everybody. All hands on deck. Everybody grab a corner. Amen. Everybody grab a corner. Let me ask you a question. Are you serving others? Are you serving others? Are you investing in someone else's life? If you're not careful, you'll take in and take in. And in a good church, you'll take in. And good night, you come here. This is the finest messages you'll hear anywhere. And uh, thank you. Uh, But if we're not careful, we take in and we take in and we take in. And if we don't give out, guess what? We become like a pond. A pond takes in water, but has no way for the water to go out. And guess what happens to ponds? After a while, they start stinking. After a while, they get green scum on the top. Amen? After a while, big bullfrogs start gathering around the pond. Right? Amen? Yeah. Let me tell you something. God called us to be a river. John, the Gospel of John said... Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Meaning we ought to be taking in from the Lord. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. And then going out to witness and going out to serve. And going out to hurt with others. And going out to visit someone. And going out to be a blessing. And then coming back and saying, God, fill me with your Spirit. With your love, with your wisdom, I need you. And then going out to a group of little boys and girls and find a little Joseph Jarrett somewhere and find a little Justin Jarrett somewhere and find a little Miss Nicole Rojas somewhere and find you somebody and pour your life into them as well. That's what God has made us to do. Nobody in this church ought to have an agenda. Nobody in this church ought to have your own separate agenda. No matter how sincere it is. 
Nobody ought to have their own agenda. Apollos and those guys, Church of Corinth got into that. They wanted their own following. That's not scriptural. That's not scriptural. No concern for who gets the credit. Can I tell you something? Let's take the men in the sound room, for example. A bunch of heathens. Backslid on God. Sound men only get attention when something goes bad. But you know they work behind the scenes. You, you come in here. You listen to that piano special this morning. Two, two pianos going at the same time. You listen to the, the group, the solo that happened here. The groups that sang this morning and sing week after week after week. That doesn't just happen. Do you know you come, listen, you folks that go home and take a nap on Sunday afternoon. Some Sunday afternoon, come meander in the middle of the afternoon, just meander through this building. You know what you'll find? You'll find Miss Chrissy Ward and her children working. She is a slave driver. She makes those kids work. You'll find musicians preparing. I promise you this. If a special lasts three or four minutes, sometimes a long one will go four, hour, four minutes and a half, a big long choir special. Most of them are three to four minutes. And I can promise you this. For every one minute that was practiced, there was 50 or 100 minutes of preparation. Do you know you folks that stick your gum wrappers down in the seats? Do you know somebody comes and cleans up after you? You folks that, you, you, you look like a, like a dog getting ready to have puppies or something. It's like you create a nest where you sit. It's like stuff everywhere. Are you eating crackers and peanut butter in church? What are you doing? And gum? But somebody's going to come clean up behind you. Have you ever cleaned up behind anybody? Have you ever cleaned a toilet? Any idea how many toilets we have? I can't remember. I counted them up one time. I mean, I, I can do it in my head now. But there's, I don't know, there's 50, 60, 70 toilets here and over yonder. Do you know, can you imagine, ladies, if you had 70 toilets to clean every week? You say, no, sir. Some of you are going to quit church tonight. <laughs> but you know, most of that's behind the scenes. Hey, let's work together. No agendas, no concern for who gets the credit. No comparing ourselves with others. Can, the Bible said in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, they comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Listen, if somebody gets asked to play that piano or sing behind that microphone or be in that choir or teach a class or drive that van or be in charge of that or lead this, they, if we're Christians, the Bible said we should rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Do you know it is not, it is easier to weep with those who weep than it is to rejoice with those who rejoice. 
It's much easier to feel sorry for someone when things aren't going well than it is to be happy for someone when things are going good. You know, that speaks to our natural, selfish nature. And then lastly, look at what he said. In Mark, well, you're not there, but in Mark 2, verse 4, the Bible said they let him down through the roof. Now, let me tell you about these rooms. Best I understand historically, these roofs, they were flat. And uh, there, was, there were beams that went across from the walls. And then over top of the beams, they would lay branches, sticks, and so forth like that. And then they packed mud on top of that. So you had these wooden beams and you had these sticks. And then, uh, and then you had mud packed on top. And they had to break up the roof. So here these guys are, and I don't know what they had with them, maybe some tool or something. If they did with their fingers, they had some dirty fingernails when it was over. But they're busting at this ceiling. I'm sure stuff's starting to fall down, you know. The Lord's in there trying to teach and heal stuff, and all of a sudden mud clods start dropping this way and that. And, 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 and they broke it up, and they had to get one, probably had to get at least one of those beams out of the way. And this was, this was a major reconstruction. Uh, and, and, and then they took that man, uh, and, and, and they lowered him down from those four corners. And Jesus, the Bible said, he saw their, plural, their faith. He saw a group of people who believed that Jesus Christ was the answer. He saw a group of people who believed that their friend needed Christ. They saw, he saw a group of people who believed that Jesus was the answer and Jesus could meet their friend's needs and Jesus could heal their friend and they were going to find a way to get him to Jesus Christ. Let's believe God together. Let's care for the hurting together. Let's work together. And let's find a way together. Amen. You know, I love the bus ministry. I don't know who thought of it first. I've searched the scriptures and I can't find it in the Bible. But I think maybe it was lost in an ancient manuscript or something. That to belong to a Bible-believing church, number one, you have to have a bus ministry. And number two, you have to swallow a goldfish. <laughs> I don't know who came up with the idea. But I know this. I've seen a little, lot of little boys and girls. You're going to do What? I'm going to swallow a goldfish, a live goldfish. Ooh. And get on a Sunday school bus to come and see some weird man swallow a live goldfish. Let me recommend those of you that are uh, in the trenches right now. I graduated out of that. I want to thank God for that. But let me recommend if you're going to swallow it down with something, don't swallow it with something that... Uh, uh, don't do it with the Pepsi-Cola, amen, I just tell you that. Water is the liquid of choice, all right? Pepsi-Cola keeps coming up, you know, so you did But anyway. I don't know who thought of swallowing goldfish. Where's that in the Bible? <laughs> but you know what someone did? They found a way. They found a way to get some little children 
You can go over to Clay's Mill Baptist Church over in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can ask Bill Davis, pastor of a great youth department, leads a great youth conference. What does a goldfish mean to you? It means a whole lot to me. I got saved because of the bus ministry. He's a pretty smart bus kid. He married the bus captain's daughter. Amen. <laughs> Better together. Shall we stand? Father, I love you. I'm so thankful for the.